Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys. That's yeah. They have asked for that, really. Uh, you can laugh. I'm walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist, but having said that, I want to be like me. You don't know what you're talking about. What did you want? I'd like to stay alive for six days. I'd say to you, if I not say it to you now. I'm down to Anfield and we'll see them. What you're doing down here, you surely man. It's the Irish Times Second Captain's Football Podcast. Oh, my David and Ken early here. Hey, how are you doing? And also Kieran Murphy. Hey, you guys. How you doing? I'm uh, doing pretty well, Murphy. A good week for Irish footballers. Just got a hell of a lot better. First up, Steph Roach gets nominated for the FIFA Goal of the Award. Yeah. And now, our all-time record goal scorer is named MVP, most valuable player of Major League Soccer. And boy, is the LA Galaxy website excited about the news. Stop it! Stop it! How many players can do this? Stop it. Stop, Stop it. it. He's 34 years old, this guy. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. That's one, of a, that's one of a number of videos and photos that they put up uh, on, uh, under a caption entitled, Long Live the King. Long Live the King. On, on each of the video preview screens, they've actually put in a little cartoon crown, <laughs> yeah. the golden crown on Robbie Keane's head. As Robbie Keane wheels away in some of the photographs in his smug Robbie Keane gold celebration pose, they've got this, <laughs> this uh, crown that somehow looks... Looks quite fitting. It does actually look quite fitting. I mean, if if it weren't weren't for the fact that it would cause obvious problems in the area of heading the ball, yeah. I could see Robbie Keane wearing this crown Why quite not? easily. I mean, um, you know, a prophet is not recognised in his own land. Don't uh, Robbie should, Keane had to go to America to uh, in order for for the world to perceive his true greatness. But the I, clip we should talk about. The, the, we heard the audio there, the video. It's unbelievable. The goals he's scoring are ridiculous. They're absolutely amazing. Like, it's just, I mean, and it's not, the amazing thing about it, there's also an article on the on the LA Galaxy website. Now, okay, that is Robbie Keane's team. Fair enough. Yeah. Is Robbie Keane the best international player in MLS this century? And then it, the Galaxy captain has tallied 53 goals and 35 assists in his three and a half years in, in MLS. 35 assists. I was amazed by that. Robbie Keane. That's more assists than his entire career at this point. But, but I, w- I would say that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, for Ireland, how many goals did he set up? I, mean, I can remember him setting one up for John Walters against Estonia. 
And that might be it from the Trapatoni <laughs> And I still think that might have been a shot against the Sony. <laughs> he might have been trying to chip that one into the far corner. So he's he's just absolutely... Now they start comparing him to... Uh, I mean, they get a quote from Bruce Arena, who's, who's the manager there. Bruce Arena is trying to keep his feet on the ground, which isn't easy when you've got the intoxicating presence of Robbie Keane uh, sending everyone nuts. But uh, Bruce Arena says, is he the best uh, they're, they're, they're asking him to compare him to quality players of the past, like Marco Echeverri and uh, I don't know whether it's Haim or Jamie Moreno. It's spelled the same way Jamie Lannister is in Game of Thrones. J-A-I-M-E, is it? Yeah, we'll go with Jamie. Haim, that that could, Jamie? could probably be either, I would say. Um, those are different eras, says Bruce Arena. Robbie has been an important part of this team and our success. But how it compares to the Marco Echeverris and the Morenos of the world, I don't know. <laughs> He's had an impact here. But Robbie came into a more established club than when they started the league. They're different areas, and it's hard to compare specific players. Boring, Bruce Arena. I don't want to hear any more of that. He's the greatest of all time. Come on. He's Stop good. it, Bruce. Stop I mean, it. You heard the video. How many players can do that? Out. Not David Beckham. 40 assists. David Beckham had this, uh, this article points out in his five seasons, which is just five ahead of Robbie And his Kane. job is to assist. That's Absolutely. his actual full-time football occupation. There was also uh, Cuauhtémoc Blanco, who played with the Chicago Fire. Do you remember Blanco? Yes, um, yeah. The guy with the little... Mexican guy. He's, the trick thing that we use. Yeah, the Blanco uh, bounce. The ball between yes. his... Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a, a, one of the great, the great yeah, stars. Between his, of, between his feet, I should probably <laughs> finish out. Between his, yeah, I kind of bounced up. Yeah. Great star of American, uh, or of Mexican football. Uh, he played a couple of seasons in the United States. 16 goals and 25 assists in 62 games. I'm sorry, but that just doesn't compare. That's not Ro- Robbie Keane numbers. And seven Robbie Blan- Keane production. Seven Blanco bounces. But what about Thierry Henry? Yeah, what about Thierry Henry? 51 goals and 42 assists in 122 games. Uh, compared to Robbie Keane's 53 goals and 35 assists in 84 games. Giving him a .41 assists per game and .63 goals per game average. Both superior numbers to Thierry Henry. Beats the crap out of If you look at it, if if he just... It turns out that if you give Robbie Keane just a second more time, a split second more time than he has in England, he becomes the best player who's ever played the game (laughs) just by some of the goals he's going. Well, it's it's like you just... Just to see a player with total confidence. He's playing the way that he would if it was... If he was playing an Astro Park game against players like us. Yeah. You know, just kind of swaggering around. that's, That's not actually... You know, you, we're not comparing the MLS to an Astro game at all. Like, no. the MLS is a reasonably good standard. It's actually just the way Robbie Keane is playing yeah. makes it look like... Uh, bad news, though, for one Irish sportsman there. Henry Shefflin. I mean, he, he was the king of Irish sport, and now it's no Robbie more. Keane. Will, will Henry Shefflin be brought over if they win their Major League Soccer to Decider? Hand over, to hand over physical crown. Is there a Machnus head of Robbie Keane? I don't think so, but... Get working, Magnus Boyos. We're going to talk about Stephen Gerrard today after his goal-scoring return to Liverpool's starting team. And there's a new book out on Louis van Gaal. We're going to talk to the author, Ken. Yes. Uh, You seem quite enthused by this one. I enjoyed the book, yeah. Um, I think uh, it's a kind of thoughtful book. It's a guy, it's a journalist who used to be very close with friends, I think, with van Gaal. Not friends anymore. Often they're the best books. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not friends, but, you know, I mean, he talks in the book about this. No, it's not a hatchet job, but it is. Oh, um, no. But it has got I mean, he tried to make friends with van Gaal again. He actually wrote him a letter, and he's like, you know, I never want to speak of that letter again. Then a couple of pages later, he's like, okay, here's the letter. And then it's, and then he talks about how he showed his dad the letter, and his dad kind of read it, and then, like, put it down and sort of didn't say anything. And he was saying... So, Dad, what do you think of my letter? And the dad says, I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're really um, kind of crawling to him there, aren't you? I mean, it's a, 
that was hard to read. <laughs> and he's like, oh, really? Did, I? did it come it across was, that way? Yeah, unfortunately. It was a bit sort of grovelly, but uh, and Van Gaal didn't. Um, All right. We'll speak to the author of that book today. First up, though, it's Ken Early's report on sport. We should mention Ken. Sorry, I don't like to. I yeah. do like to let you just lose here at this stage. But you are going to. You're heading over to meet the king this weekend. Well, I don't know if I'm going to meet the king. Owen. I mean, I'm going to try and meet him. You're going to watch him get changed in the locker room. Well, I can go in and watch him getting changed after after the game. I mean, we're talking about Robbie Keane here, right? Mm. Yeah, you're going to LA for to, for who are they playing? Uh, New England Revolution in the final. Uh, yeah, they're in the final at the StubHub Center. StubHub Center being the LA Galaxy's home ground. Right. So these Yankees from the Northeast are coming down, and they're probably going to be sent packing by King Robbie. And his frontiersmen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, that, that, should, that should be interesting. I just think, like, this guy, I mean, he's, he has been named the MVP, you know, as you we were saying. It's pretty amazing, you know? Like, uh, I, don't, I know when I'm here with my pom-poms. You know, dancing on the sideline, going, give me an O, give me an O, give me a B, give me a B. I know that's what I'm doing here, right? But occasionally, you have to say, the guy's doing really well. Hey, you're preaching to convert Ken. As yeah. I once told you when watching a, a match, Robbie yeah. Keane, what did I say? Bloody hell. You know, Robbie Keane, bloody hell. Bloody, bloody hell. Ken, the thing about Robbie Keane, he scores goals. <laughs> I, th- I think we were watching Robbie Keane not touch a ball for 60 minutes against Cyprus yeah. or someone like that. And uh, Ken was getting increasingly disgruntled with the performance of Robbie Keane. And then he, then he scored a goal. Because that's, that, that's what he does. But uh, people will be listening saying, you're, talking, you're all talking shite. It's a terrible league. Why, why would anyone care if Robbie Keane is the best player in it? Well, I mean, it's the United States. It may not be the highest standard league, but it is the world's largest economy. <laughs> <laughs> and Robbie Keane, the days of unidentified fan... I think are behind us. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see any more of those kind of no. captions. Maybe the next time it'll be Robbie Keane at a, a, a Lakers game with unidentified British comedian. Robbie Keane, Steve Nash, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. All hanging out at a Lakers game. Uh, Mickey Rourke? Yeah, completely. Um, I, you know, I think I think it's, it's pretty... I mean, and obviously nobody over here really sees his games or you know you see him on YouTube every week doing something ridiculous there's been a lot of Monday mornings where check out what Robbie Keane did in uh, MLS this weekend but I mean like the games are on I mean you can see them on I think it's ESPN or certainly on the Stanta package you're there freely available so I thought this final is on freely available as long as you buy the package (laughs) on that package (laughs) yes it's the final um, you know it's like a one-off game which decides the the, it's like a playoff, playoff final which decides the league title and uh, maybe he won't get to another one. I don't know. Maybe this is going to be the last time he wins the league. I mean, I say wins the league as though he's definitely going to win. He but may he may lose. Preordained at this stage. But I mean, you know, having watched his highlights video, yeah. I don't see any way that guy can lose. Thierry Henry, uh, good man for the highlights videos himself. Poor old Thierry Henry um, didn't make it this far. Could have been Thierry Henry against Robbie Keane, but uh, Thierry Henry's uh, team got beaten. He got turfed out, and now it looks as though he's going to retire. He's he's done. Really? Yeah, he's. Um, I don't know why I'm remotely surprised. Ma- man in mid thirties retires from professional football. Yeah, um, he's he, he hasn't really announced it yet, but it's it's almost certain that he is going to retire now. Um, he did an interview uh, for the Blizzard, um, which an excerpt of which had been published a couple of days ago. Thierry Marchand was the journalist who went over and, and uh, talked to him. Um, he. Yeah, he says some interesting stuff, Thierry Henry. I mean, he's a kind of a he's kind of a strange guy in some ways. Very, he's quite unpopular in France, as we're going to as we're going to shortly hear. Um, 
and he does have a tendency to be a bit ugh, some of the things he says like he like he talks about oh you know when we have a celebration you know the thing that gives me most pleasure in football you know the thing that gives me most celebrating pleasure? with teammates after scoring a goal for them no uh, although that is one of the things that gives him a lot of pressure. And when I say, come celebrate with me, it's not because I'm saying, hey, come to me, I've scored. It's because I'm saying, hey, uh, let us share this moment together. You're like, yeah, well, that's what I thought it was. Jerry. Like, <laughs> I mean, what, like what else? I mean, what would be arrogant would be to wave everyone else away. I mean, yeah. if you're waving, I mean, it's, yeah. that's pretty self-explanatory. He, he, he says, no, the thing that gives him most pleasure in football is when you have the opportunity to score, and yet you pass to a teammate who scores. There's no way that's true. But that's the least pleasurable thing for a striker. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Robbie Keane, all those assists that we talked about there in the MLS, I'm assuming, much like the Walters goal, Last there was literally no other option. Yeah. I mean, you were <laughs> corralled into this tiny yeah. little corner of the box and you had to pass it to the big, big yeah. out up top. Yeah. yeah. The, I, I mean, Terry Henry, that's, that's a sign to me of his fundamental insincerity. I, oh, that's my favorite thing in football, passing you know, to an unmarked teammate who just taps it in. Yeah. To be able to share that with that guy. Oh, come on, Terry. He does talk a little bit, though, about... Um, uh, you know, the kind of game in more general terms. Um, talking about his admiration for Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo, who, in his view, had reinvented the role of centre forward by like playing outside the box and dribbling past people. Um, he's saying, we shouldn't believe this is the norm, though. Who's got Cristiano Ronaldo's body? Who's got Lionel Messi's game? They're one-offs. If you want to educate players, if you want to talk about the game, teach a youngster what Xavi does. Xavi, yes, you can do it. Ronaldo, not so sure. Um, is that... Is that true, do you think? Can you train a Xavi? Just like, I mean, it seems like Xavi is also kind of exceptional, uh, you know, maybe not, you know, in the, in the kind of obvious way that Cristiano Ronaldo Xavi's is. Xavi's not an easily trainable uh, football figure to emulate. Xavi, uh, I would say most, uh, certainly a lot of fo- people when they start playing football, you, almost everyone wants to actually play like Xavi. A lot of people do anyway. You, you want to have the ball the whole time and pass it around and, and mm. have that spatial awareness, but it's... I'd say that's a very strange guy to pick. I'd say it's at least as much of a kind of a, a gift, a unique gift, what he has as Ronaldo's, yeah. you know, physique, which is like, you know, obviously not a lot of players have. But I mean, who has that kind of spatial awareness? Who has this kind of three hundred and sixty? You can teach lads to be a fullback, Ken. If, if I go by Roy Keane's book, because fullbacks essentially aren't really professional footballers. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Keane just never stops talking about everywhere else, according to yeah. Jimmy Carrer. Yeah. Keane's like, oh well, you know, I was I was a midfielder, so I had to do this, I had to do that. I mean, it wasn't like I was just a fullback. Fullback just kind of stands there, like you know, and He's gets in photos. You know, uh, just the other thing Henri says, and that, that interview was for Blizzard, as I mentioned, Guardiola's talk. This is the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in football from a coach. Guardiola's talk before the 2009 Champions League final. Remember that Guardiola showed the players a um, video, a kind of gladiator-based video. Yeah. That Lisa Gerrard song and uh, scenes of the Coliseum with interspersed with footage of their goals. Then he said, guys, all I want is that at the end of this game, people tell me that Barca played football. The only thing I don't want to lose tonight is our identity. Have a good game. This is the most beautiful thing he's ever heard. Terry Henry will say anything, really, won't he? To curry favour. I don't know. Emmanuel Petit? Well, Emmanuel Petit is sticking up for Terry Henry. In what context? Against the French. The weasel French. Owned. Uh, he's pointing out, and it's a little bit, maybe it's a bit like our attitude to Robbie Keane. Maybe we need to, maybe we haven't been cheerleading enough in this country for this man who's whose titanic achievements in football tower over, you know, everyone else. Um, Emmanuel Petit uh, points out, in England, they've built a statue of Thierry. He's revered there. 
This bad image in the French press of Thierry Henry annoys me. What can we reproach Henry for? His handball against Ireland? He helped France qualify for the World Cup in South Africa. He has done nothing. France is hypocritical and cowardly. Sometimes I think that if we'd been overrun by the Germans, we'd be better run. <laughs> says says uh, Betsy. A little much, isn't it? Well, they were overrun by the Germans, is surely the point as well. I mean, that, that did actually happen. Um, I suppose... Um, you know, maybe he means if the occupation if World continue. War II had ended differently, maybe we'd be in a better. <laughs> place. That's not a very popular uh, around the world. I, I would. I would What's say, the not context of this, though? What 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 is he? Henri's what is he reproached for? It? Henri. No, is, no. What is Henri being criticised for in France? Petit's defending him a bit. Well, he gives you a bit. He gives you a bit more information here. He says Wayne Rooney is not hated in England, even though he wasn't always right in his boots on the field and off. Thierry Henry never had a bad move on the pitch, and there were no stories in his private life. He's not hated, but he's certainly not loved. He got screwed by the French press after his handball, and he has since not spoken to the French media. I didn't realise that. Mm. He got screwed by the Irish press, all right, but I didn't realise the French press. Really. In France, he has no collusion with the press. So what? Perhaps because he was not smiling when he scored for Les Bleus? Well, that's what I hate in this country. I have great difficulty with the French. I have never seen such arrogant, smug, lying, and hypocritical people. <laughs> Petit says. Yeah, Petit says. World Cup winner, Emmanuel Petit. Uh, he's now said... Um, uh, this historical reference was stupid of me. I apologize to the Jewish people, but also all those who've experienced war. My reference was misplaced. We must put things in context. I was asked about the possibility of an exhibition match to give an honorable exit to Thierry Henry. I thought it was unfair that in these that these same people vilified Thierry for years and have not given him the status he deserved. As for me, he's the greatest striker in French football. Let's get Emmanuel Petit on the show again. I challenge you to get Petit, <laughs> Petit on the show. I like his, his views. I mean, he's very... Uh, he doesn't um, mince his words. No. Um, Steph Roach. Uh, Steph Roach, yeah. We haven't been on since she got shortlisted. Shortlisted along with uh, Van Persie and Hamas. Brilliant news. Yeah, amazing. Every man. chance of winning, I would say. Well, certainly the vo- the vo- a lot of votes came from Ireland and a lot came from Colombia. Well, they pu- they published the statistics for their... FIFA published the statistics for their website. Just to be transparent about it on FIFA's <laughs> point. It was, yeah. we're, very, we're transparent on some things. It was the day before the voting. The day, uh, on Sunday, basically. Visitors to their website on Sunday showing that Colombia uh, was top uh, as the top origin of, of visits to the FIFA website with something like 14,000 or something like that. And Ireland was just behind on, you know, 13,500. So I thought to myself, are we going to allow these Colombians to outvote us simply because there's 40-odd million Colombians and only 4-odd million of people in this country? You know, I think, uh, I think we can do better. I think we can do better than 15,000 a day. Yeah, I think, you know, it's one thing to appeal to the Irish people to vote. But I think if you make it personal, yeah. and say that the Colombians, these Colombians are laughing at us. These Colombians are laughing at us. They, they've got some Tammany Hall operation <laughs> running away. They, you know, we, we invented that. We invented yeah. the machine politics, you know. We invented uh, vote rigging, uh, vote ballot early. box stuffing. <laughs> vote early and vote often. That's, that's an Irish thing. I mean, it was Ask Gaelga before it ever was translated, I presume. I'm saying, are we, are we going to let that? Are we going to let these Colombians make a holy show of us? Do you know who, who aren't voting? The Dutch. The Dutch, they don't care about this. <laughs> no, no, it's almost as though... The top ten countries. This, the Netherlands have never... So I ask, who is voting for Van Persie's goal? How, 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 how do I get in there? Just uh, the people who think it's the best goal, I suppose. Oh. It's an amazing goal. It's not an amazing oh, goal. It is. It's a straightforward header. Have you ever seen the angle it's of it? From, have you ever seen the crazy. angle of it from from uh, I would the touchline camera? I would say any striker in the world, any any striker in the world, any uh, international striker. Maybe not the American Samoa international striker. Yeah. <laughs> 
Papua New Guinea. Some of those countries, maybe. But any, you know, say the top, take the top 100 teams in the world. Yeah. Take the striker from that team, each yeah. team. Each of those would have been able to execute that header. I don't think it was a difficult header at all. How many times, how many goes of it are you giving them? One. Just one. There's no way. The oh. athleticism required to actually contort your body and the just, timing, just the timing of... 50 yard pass. But that's irrelevant to yeah, how just, far the pass came from. I don't see the relevance that, of that. that, well, that I mean, the, the, that's obviously what makes it look good because yeah. that's what he has to dive onto. But that doesn't make the skill any more difficult. It's not like he's taking a ball down. It's a long ball coming he's in heading, and he dives he's, ahead of him. He's perfectly lobbing a ball that's been struck 50 yards per, with per, a diving header over... Nah, perfectly lobbing. He's heading in the direction of the goal and the keeper's off the line. I mean, it's not... Oh, but he's lo- he lobs the keeper quite deliberately. He kind of jumps like a dolphin. Yeah. I'm not saying... Uh, sorry, I'm not trying to say the goal was lucky in any way. Obviously, it was, a, it was a really good goal. I don't think it's anywhere near the, the standard of almost all the other goals in that top 10. Oh, no, I, I top think eleven. I think it was just so spectacular, yeah. and I mean, I know. I think I'm, I'm the, shooting against the wind here. The touchline, the touchline camera, where, where the, cam- the cameraman is there, standing more or less just behind Daly Blind when he hits the ball. It's amazing. It's just an amazing shot. You see this pass. It's such a beautiful. It wasn't ball. even the best goal g- game, uh, best goal in that game. <laughs> you know, Aaron Robin scored two goals that were better than Robin Mabrizzi's oh, in that game. Yeah, Aaron Robin did score a nice goal. In that yeah, game. Yeah. I really, uh, you know, I have to admire your conviction on. I think you're wrong, but God damn, I'm not you just put up I'm such a such a brilliant argument. Yeah, yeah. you know. Listen, that's the end of Ken Hurdy's report on sport. Well, sure that's the question that's going to be asked, answered tonight. Tonight. So now, come here tonight, tonight, into Wexford Park, and they just must produce the goods tonight. Tonight, their team is better set up tonight. Tonight. But they just. The bottom line is, Michael, they have to do tonight. Tonight. No, I think Hawk have made a massive boo-boo with our matchups. Massive boo-boo. Tonight, 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 tonight. Alright, we haven't talked much yet about the, the week's football, the midweek football in ESPN's John Bruin was at Liverpool's win over Leicester. Stephen Jarrett back in the team and back uh, back with a goal there, John. A lot of people um were heaping a lot of praise on him. Now it's interesting. He's he's in a situation where he's mulling over this contract extension. Says he'll decide in his own time if he wants to stay at the club. I mean, the question, I guess, is okay. The, the, the extension, the contract has been offered, but the question is if Rogers and the club really a hundred percent want to keep the player. Do you think they do? Uh, that's that's the, I suppose that's the key question to all of it. Um, I think Stephen Gerrard uh, is one of those players that if is allowed to leave Liverpool. They have to be very careful about the way that it's handled. Um, I think, I mean, just looking at the way that he fitted into the team the other night against Leicester City, I think he did okay in that position. I would not have reached for the superlatives that several other people that are at the game uh, chose. Um, But it's clear he is a player of some use to Liverpool. The problem being... Uh, I suppose that it's that how you phase out a talent or a such a key player is actually probably one of the more difficult parts of being a football manager. Now look at say the way that Frank Lampard, um, I suppose, was phased out by Jose Mourinho last season. I don't think he was too happy about it, but he had to accept it. And I think Chelsea actually quite managed managed that departure quite well even though he's now at Manchester City. You've also got the example where you go to Manchester United, of the way that Giggs and Scholes uh, were able to play on for probably three or four years, more than they were actually going to be 
consistent players, but were still, when at their best, probably the best players that United had. The problem that Gerard has is that he hasn't been one of the team's best players. Um, I, I wouldn't say last season either, and certainly not this. And in trying to shoehorn him in, Rogers faces a dilemma. Um, he moved Lucas there, who's a cent- who's a defensive midfielder and played much better than Gerard ever has in that position. Uh, but I suppose if we go back to the original point. Um, it's a bit of a case of who blinks first, really, on this one, isn't it? Yeah, and you, you, you uh, uh, sorry, get your phraseology right there, John, but you said that Liverpool have to be careful about how, how it looks and how they deal with um, Gerrard leaving if he does end up leaving. By that, do you mean that they they have to at least offer him a contract? You know, they have. It can't be seen that they just callously dumped Steven Gerrard after 15 years of amazing service. Yes, um, I, I suspect at, at Liverpool of all clubs and Gerard of all players. Now we've seen other players. I mean, I mentioned the Lampard thing. He was allowed to go football is a sentimental game, but it can't be allowed to be that sentimental that you're essentially carrying a passenger. Now I'm not suggesting that Steven Gerrard is a passenger, but he's certainly a player who doesn't offer as much as the player did in 2009. For example, if we just pick a year when he was particularly good, um, it's, it's very, I, 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 I think they had to be seen to offer a contract. I think the issue seems to be that Gerard uh, seems to want to be uh, wants perhaps a longer contract and perhaps wants more, uh, perhaps basic wage than Liverpool are offering, and also probably wants reassurances that he'll play more. Now, Stephen Gerrard has ambitions of being a manager. It is suggested by, by uh, some parties. Stephen Gerrard might quickly learn when he becomes a manager that you can't guarantee players' places unless they're playing well. Yeah. Um, I remember Rafael Benito saying about him years back um, when he was talking about why he, he started to play him sort of as a number 10 behind Fernando Torres. Uh, he was saying, well, the reason for this is that Stephen Gerrard has the strength to reach all the second balls. Essentially that uh, Gerrard would, would be there first. With any kind of loose ball around there, he could beat the defender to it. I mean, if that was the key attribute that he had, uh, it, you know, which made him so effective in that sort of position, he's completely lost that now. He can't do that anymore. Well, yeah, actually, the goal he scored was a bit of a second ball job the other night, mm. wasn't it? But um, yes, I suppose the image of Steven Gerrard is the ball breaking him and him surging onto it. And we don't see that too often anymore, do we? I mean, I went to the Liverpool-Real Madrid game um, a few weeks back and for the first 10 minutes, I saw Steven Gerrard as I remembered him. A player running around, uh, fetching, carrying, getting the ball, forcing the issue, uh, urging his teammates forward. And then Real Madrid scored and Steven Gerrard disappeared from the competition. That's the problem that you've got with Steven Gerrard, that is he can't replicate the player he was, then you've got to go to the point where you try and reinvent the player. Now, Giggs and Scholes are both reinvented. Scholes dropped deeper. Giggs became a central midfielder. Frank Lampard has reinvented himself for some sort of form of pinch hitter. I mean, I saw him score at the weekend against Southampton. The minute the ball breaks to him in that position from which he scored, you know he's going to score. Steven Gerrard... Uh, despite actually playing several positions in his career, is never going to be the player that he wants to be is the box-to-box midfielder, and he can't be that player anymore. You mentioned, John, that uh, a lot of your colleagues who were at the game were you know, really showering Gerard with, with praise and with all these superlatives. It, 
I have to say I quite like Jarrow. I, I, I kind of find him quite an interesting figure. And um, I'm wondering, is there is he quite a popular guy among, not not that necessarily journalists and footballers have the close relationships that they, that they, that they would have had back in the day, but is Gerrard quite popular among the, the English media? Well, I think I think Stephen Gerrard in in, uh, in on Merseyside, he's close to a few of the journalists, um, uh, as was Jamie Carragher. Um, I think when somebody's at a club for so long, then they obviously get to know a few of those people in and around. Um, but I do think, yes, yeah, Stephen Gerrard is someone who um, produces, yeah, a certain level of, I don't know. Of admiration among the journalists, I remember. I remember uh, well, the, the, the famous game, the slip game. Yeah. Um, I watched the, the second half of that game um, down in the Anfield press room for one reason or another, and um, some other journalists uh, who I know are not Liverpool fans were urging him on. You know, come on, Stevie, come on, Stevie. So I think amongst the press pack, there is a certain. Uh, well, there's a certain feeling that Gerard is is a good man to have around. I mean, I know that uh, at the World Cup, um, he impressed several of the uh, of the lads that are over there of the way that he handled the team and helped manage stuff and managed some of the relations with people, even if his performances were not particularly good on the pitch. Um, I think Gerard's matured, hasn't he? Um, and he's he's at that age where he realizes that. Um, you know, uh, he's able to lead people. Uh, he's seen a lot. His experience adds him the ability to uh, not be perhaps. I mean, he was never a sulky type of player, but he was. He was very withdrawn. I think he's come out of himself a bit more. Um, Brendan Rogers produced a memorable turn of phrase um, or memorable mental image uh, in describing him the other night, John. What, what was it again? You, you, I think you heard him say. He, well, what was that one now again? Oh, yeah, something about, well, it's like when the wheels are coming down and the plane is coming to land, but the wheels aren't quite down yet, or something like that. Was, was that yeah, the one? Yeah, Stephen uh, Gerrard's undercarriage has not um, has not locked down into, into landing position, um, <laughs> which is, you know, um, fair enough. I mean, uh, Rogers obviously uh, has a creative mind when it comes to these images. Um, do you think that he's managing to to uh, sweet talk his team back into some kind of form? I mean, they've won t- two in a row now, which is a sensational run by uh, recent recent standards. Are there signs that he might be he might be turning around a situation that had looked as though it was going very sour on him? Yes, I I do think so. Um, I think he's possibly had to reinvent the wheel a little bit there, don't you? Uh, He's had to give up on the fact that uh, his team aren't able to replicate what they did last season because they don't have the players they did last season. They're not pretty to watch Liverpool at the moment. Um, But I have to say the change from, say, the game at Crystal Palace to the performance at Leicester City, there's a noticeable uh, increased vigour to the team. Um, Ricky Lambert uh, is obviously a centre-forward who is going to need one type of service and that's probably, you know, um, you're not going to be able to attack at pace with him. Uh, I think actually Colo Torre uh, is a much maligned player, a player who can possibly can make some terrible mistakes, but actually add some leadership at the back. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think at least with Colo Torre, he has the memory of, of having once been 
a really good central defender, which is which immediately sort of puts him ahead of some of the other guys he's up against in the squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read a Brendan Rogers' quote to you, actually, which uh, took my fancy earlier today. Is this airplane related or uh, no? No, no. This is even better. No. Okay. Well, it might be even better. Let's see what you think. He says. <laughs> Uh, it's a really exciting period. Players have shown the character. I always said they had. They have responded magnificently. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty exciting. Well, maybe maybe it is. It is all going to turn around. I mean, maybe um, I don't know. Maybe they won't get back into the Champions League, though. I mean, I wondered if that was if that was going to be what you're reading. Then, if the situation would be um, in terms of uh, the owners at Liverpool gave Brendan Rodgers a new contract. Um, you know, they seem to be very satisfied with his work. Would they be, though, if he was to finish outside the Champions League spots? Are Liverpool, do you think, that ruthless? Um, or would they be? Well, I, I suppose one of the things I've picked up in, in covering Liverpool a bit over the last year or so is that uh, Roger's relationship with the um, owners is... He, he, he would depict it it's a very honest relationship. Um I think they were surprised by how well Liverpool did under him last season. Um, and there was a suggestion that for quite a lot of last season, he was angling for a new contract, which he got. And that's, we have to say that he deserved that for the great work that he did. Um, there's also the point that when uh, Rogers selected that B team to go to Madrid, uh, the suggestion is that he did so with the agreement of the owners, with the uh, with the logic behind that being that if Liverpool Liverpool next season have to qualify for the Champions League, that's what the business is geared around. This season's Champions League, let's treat that as an adventure. We'll see how we go. Uh, if they go, it's not disastrous though. The knockout rounds will be preferable. Um, so, with that in mind, when you're taking gambles like that, that does suggest that having to qualify for the Champions League is going to be uh, a big part of whether. Uh, he is seen as a future of the club. Whether that means he loses his job because they don't make it, I don't know. But it would certainly put his position under some risk. You'd have to suggest that. Yeah. John, there's some great stuff. Thanks a million. Cheers. The Lampard uh, comparison is interesting. We were talking about this in the show on Monday, Ken, obviously. And I, I don't think John was arguing against this point, but you made the... Yeah, in fact, uh, what was the uh, relief relief pitcher or whatever the phrase was used by uh, pinch John? Hitter. The pinch hitter, yeah, is bang on, you know. And it's, it's a lot easier to be that than being the guy relied upon to put your body through the mill game after game as Gerrard has been up until he was dropped last week but the fact that Lampard end, ended up at Manchester City I mean is this the fear for Liverpool that Stephen Gerrard they let him go obviously they'd like him to go to I don't know Real Sociedad with David Moyes or something or but uh, he might go to LA Everton. Galaxy yeah but he might go to Everton and help Everton to the Champions League <laughs> he's an Everton supporter isn't he or he was certainly an Everton no I, I, he, there is that photo of him as a kid in his, in his little Everton outfit but he's mm. he's always claimed that that was simply think, simply because his uncle gave him it or something yeah. hold on a second Hang, you know, everyone has been a kid and supported a team if your uncle buys you the jersey of another team you don't get into that jersey no. you're never going to what if you that. just love the game yeah. I mean he, he lo- used to love Brian Robson that was his thing he used to he he was talking about wearing a, a shirt with Brian Robson on the back in the eighties, yeah. which I thought was anachronistic because they didn't have numbers and names on the back then. Maybe it was Robson's number seven or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure. He, maybe he talks about wearing a Man United shirt. I can't say that for sure, but you know, it's like yeah, I don't yeah. know. If- well, I, I just think uh, Gerard would be playing the the like. There's no way he's going to join Everton just because he. I think he has a keener idea of 
how important the Liverpool, the mythology of Liverpool is to Liverpool fans and ex-Liverpool players to ever actually do that. So, I mean, I, I, the idea of him joining Everton, Manchester United, I mean, he could join, like, Chelsea. Yeah. No, he's not going to join Chelsea, not under Mourinho. He could Arsenal. join Arsenal. I mean, Liverpool and Arsenal, for Arsenal? No, What's his position for Arsenal? There. Center half? I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to move to Arsenal. I mean, Chelsea would be interesting, right? He might finally get that. But you know, I mean, it would be, it would kind of spoil it right at the end. You know, his his proud one club yeah. record. You know, it would one say, club ah, man, not but then again, anymore. And again, you know, I mean, Johan Cruyff. I think when he 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 moves to um, Feyenoord from Ajax, when the Ajax were like, yeah, you, you're you're washed up. So he went to Feyenoord and won the league with them, mm-hmm. and was I think the best player in the league, and just really just to. Uh, just to stick it right, in the right up them, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if Jared's got the same outlook. Well, on the Dutch football th- theme, Ken, we are joined by Hugo Borst. We mentioned this book at the top of the show, O. Lewis, uh, which is about Louis van Gaal, or O. Louis, I should probably say. Uh, it's great to talk to you about this, Hugo. A man you know very well. Uh, is it fair to say you think Louis van Gaal is a, a genius? A genius. Well, he sometimes he thinks he's God, and you can uh, uh, say God is rather genius. So why not? I think the um, the book appears to marry the element of genius with flaws as well. I mean, you, you're not just writing uh, a, a book about look how great Louis Van Gaal is. This guy is uh, is maybe interesting because he has flaws. Um, yeah, his weaknesses are uh, uh, you can see it at, at the, the press conferences. Although I think um, in England they yeah, didn't meet the real Louis Van Gaal yet. Louis Vergaal is uh, famous in Holland for his uh, press conferences. Um, he can he can be very angry. Uh, that's uh, of course uh, forced by very incompetent uh, journalists or journalists who are provocating him. And um, I must say, as you uh, consider football as uh, uh, amusement, eh, and it's an entertainment industry also. That part of Louis Vrouw is uh, yeah, very attractive because uh, an angry Louis van Gaal is um, yeah, hilarious and, and fascinating. So I hope he will present his, uh, his real performance uh, uh, quite soon. You write in the book, I think, that your first uh, conversation with him when you were a journalist was in 1987. So then uh, over the following decades... Um, would you say that you, at some point, had become his friend? Well, Louis Vergaal himself says, uh, you've got journalists. And I have to say that uh, among the journalists, I have got a couple of friends and lots of enemies. Uh, and long time I was uh, considered by Louis Vergaal as a friend. Um, yeah, I mean... I would call him an acquaintance. Uh, but I, I was very close with him. For instance, in 2004, when Holland was playing the uh, Euro 2004 in Portugal, yeah, I, I was. Uh, he was um, uh, with lots of my friends in uh, in uh, apartment in, in, in Portugal. And, yeah, we uh, watched football, we swam, we ate, and I was with him a couple of times. And, his wife, Truss, was uh, also there. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, uh, uh, yeah, it was really a pleasure to be with him because, yeah, his knowledge uh, with football is enormous. So I learned a lot. And uh, <laughs> when I had dinner with him, 
Uh, I met uh, Louis van Gaal, uh, who yeah, likes to talk about, for instance, wine. He thinks he's a, a big uh, man in the knowledge of uh, wine. And he was uh, doing some talks about uh, Rioja. And that was very funny because... Um, yeah, he he makes an act of it, and um, in in everything he he does, he is a teacher. He's a born teacher. So when he was uh, picking out the, the the wine, we got a whole uh, reference about uh, uh, what this wine supposed uh, to be. And yeah, that that's funny. I mean, uh, the guy is very colorful in in everything what he does. So. Yeah, I was close to him, yes. Did you um, become less close? Did you have a specific falling out, an argument with Van Hal? Yeah, we had a problem about uh, his telephone number. Uh, not many people has got his uh, uh, cell phone number. Uh, and he accused me of giving away that cell phone number to another journalist, which was not true. Uh, I mean, uh, and and he was, uh, yeah, um, blaming me for doing that. And I was, well, Louis, I did not do that. And we were on the phone and it became very unpleasant. And uh, yeah, you could call that a, a, a fight, a fight with words. And after that, uh, it was over between us. And, um, but I can live with that. Uh, I wrote a book uh, about it. It was kind of a therapy being uh, so close with him. I mean, I, I know the guy for 30 years. Eh? I was 16 on the stand of Sparta and he was uh, playing for Sparta. And uh, yeah, I became a journalist. He became a trainer. Uh, and after all those years, yeah, he is in a very exciting uh, person. But now I see him from a distance uh, because of that fight. Yeah. Why, uh, Hugo, do you think it is that Louis van Gaal ultimately has a fight with everybody? Because it seems to be the recurring pattern. When he's a manager, he fights uh, with the media. He sometimes fights with his boss. Uh, he obviously fought with you over this telephone number thing. Uh, and it's, it's something that happens again and again. Why does it always happen? Yeah, and don't forget that a lot of people involved with Dutch football, like Johan Cruijff, Guus Hidding, um, uh, yeah, are are not pleased with him. Yeah, I mean he is sometimes uh, uh, strange uh, and very principal, and what he uh, uh, is doing is always very direct. I mean he wouldn't be a good coffee anon. The diplomatic uh, way of talking is not some something for him. He he's always attacking on the pitch um, and and also uh, outside the pitch. Uh, I mean, what I think is is the, the thing with him is that he doesn't feel really respected. He has got some minority complex, but, but now I'm uh, the shrink and I'm not uh, diplomated uh, as a shrink, but uh, I I know him quite well, and what I think is, yeah, uh, his father died young when he was 11, and he is always looking for the bless of his father. Somebody has to say to him, my boy, what you're doing is very good, well done. 
En ja, uh, that's my way of looking to Louis van Gaal. De uh, man is searching for respect and yearning for respect. And of course, um, great personalities like Rummenigge or Heunis or Kruif. Yeah, they are uh, big persons. And uh, if they have a discussion with uh, Johan Cruijff, yeah, uh, they are strong, strong persons. And, and uh, yeah, Louis Vergaal uh, don't accept their authority at all. And I must say, sometimes Louis Vergaal is uh, bloody well right. Because he is a great... Uh, He has got a great knowledge of football. He is he's really good in his uh, in his uh, profession. So I think that's that's the, the the point. One of the things I found interesting about the book, Hugo, and I know that this was picked up a lot by the media in England, uh, were the sections which remarked that Van Hal sometimes can't handle his drink and uh, and is rude then to his wife in public. But you don't give any examples of this. I was thinking in Ireland, if you wrote this in a book about a, a public figure, uh, they'd probably see you in court. <laughs> well, the book was uh, first published in, uh, what was it, March. Um, if if I wouldn't be right, uh, uh, I would see him in, in court already. Um, there are some examples in the book, um, but it's not my... Um, I, I didn't want to make a, a tabloid book of it. So I think uh, if, if you want to give a right, if, if you want to uh, show who the man is, I try to uh, um, write about a, a, a complete man, eh? his, his complete life. And, and that's a part of it, a small part. I mean, we don't have to exaggerate it, but um, it's a fact that, Sometimes, if if he if he drinks and he is not a regular drinker, he, he uh, only with with uh, big big parties or galas, and uh, and and when he's drinking uh, at that stage, yeah, he can be sometimes uh, annoying and not very friendly. And a lot of people in in Holland saw Louis van Gaal uh, being kind of rude. When he when he was uh, doing uh, public things, and uh, I think he uh, he stopped with that kind of uh, behavior. Sometimes it it, it I, I think uh, good friends of him must have said to him, Louis, that is not the way uh, you can act in public, and it's especially not very nice to your uh, lovely wife to uh, act like that. I mean, I saw it myself in, in Portugal when he was uh, telling about uh, uh, the wine. I, write ab- I wrote about it in the book and uh, Truus wanted to say something about it. And because I was there, I thought his uh, attitude, the, the way he was answering to Truus was not very friendly. And this was a mild version about what I heard about uh, uh, of, uh, of other uh, people in Holland who were with Louis van Gaal. But I must say, this is not the way the book is about. Uh, I mean, the book is about uh, a, a, a man with, uh, of course, uh, very good points and uh, also less uh, less uh, uh, qualities. 
and this is this is small. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pleased that uh, that we have in Holland not a tabloid uh, culture because I think it's not fair to give a, a strong attention to this thing. Have you had any contact at all from Louis since the book came out? Louis said he didn't read it, and uh, but I know uh, lots of friends of him have uh, read it, and of course they would have told him uh, where the book is about. Okay, well, uh, and you haven't heard anything back, though? No. Okay, no. Hugo Burst, uh, Burst, I should say, the book is called Oh, Louis. Great to talk to you in the programme, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Modern-day coaching. What is it all about? Paralysis by analysis. Infiltrated by a load of spoofers and bluffers. Fellas with earpieces stuck in their ears. Psychologists, Clyde Woodward, statisticians, dietitians, and as Mick O'Connell alluded to, God save us. It sounds pretty, uh, uh, like a pretty interesting insight there. Can very different to the um, the Pep Guardiola book that we talked about earlier on the week, is it? Oh yeah. It, I mean, the Guardiola book is you know it's tough, grand. tough going. It's grand, but it's it's sort of um, there's a lot of a lot of repetition. There's more of a story. Not, there's, there's more of a story than this. Even this is yeah. This yeah. is like a, a lot of analysis. I mean, you could argue too much. You know what I mean? Like if you're, should you? <laughs> I mean, he talks to a psychiatrist. You know. What do you think? What do you make of Louis? Obviously, he's he's struggling to find a psychiatrist who's willing to do that. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah. it's not really something you should do. He eventually talks to like a TV psychiatrist. You know, he's sort of uh, yeah, who obviously isn't that bothered about his his professional standing in the eyes of his peers. Uh, and he and they kind of are openly talking about Louis van Gaal's psyche, like in terms of you know how. Um, you know, I mean, as Hugo mentioned there, you know, his, how his father's death when he was relatively young, you know, affected his outlook and his tendencies towards, you know, I don't think he's narcissistic. I don't think he's psychopathic. You know, the psychiatrist said, I don't think he's schizophrenic. Um, although he could possibly be autistic. You know, and, the, and you're kind of thinking, bizarre. really? I mean, the, I'm reading page after page. This is quite interesting. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, wow, you know? It's the same, yeah. You mentioned these sort of TV psychiatrists. You, you watch a news item about somebody who's been you know, a celebrity gone bad kind of thing. Yeah. And you've somebody on TV saying, well, the issues here are... And you're thinking, hang on, it's your whole job not meeting the people... Yeah. Delving really deep yeah. into what makes rather than if reading can, a story uh, about them. If you can just do this from you know your couch, you know what's why is anyone going to see you personally? You know, it's like just you know write me an email and uh, I'll bag it back. I'll bag my diagnosis yeah, back to you. Yeah, just drop a text. Minutes. Not feeling great. Oh yeah. well, you know I've I've got just the cure for you. Yeah, Ken. Bad news for you to finish. I'm afraid not football related, but one of your favorite athletes. From the London Olympics has been caught up in a doping scandal. Oh, my yeah! There's God. an undercover video of 800 meter Russian 800 meter runner Maria Savinova. You watched her win the yeah. gold yeah, uh, in London. It's a, it's a German TV documentary, which sounds unbelievable. Just reading a piece on it today on the BBC website. Uh, one athlete, and it says, um, mo- the majority, 99 percent of athletes selected to represent Russia use banned substances, which is sort of the headline. 99 <laughs> with a one degree margin of error. Yeah. Uh, another, Lilia Shabukova. She won the marathon in 2010, uh, the London Marathon in 2010. She's interviewed in the program and says that she paid. The, these are always the, obviously the best ones when it's somebody saying who's already been caught and dishing all the dirt. Mm. Um, she says that she paid the Russian Athletics Federation 450,000 euro to cover up a positive doping test. That's what they call a smoking gun, I think, in these kind of things. And then a Russian, I should say, the Russian Athletics Federation say the allegations are lies. lies. Interesting. Uh, nope. I mean, yeah. Uh, what I'm, I'm kind of thinking, like, if if it's. If it's 99% of athletes are doping in Russia, 
why are they not winning more medals? <laughs> I mean, they're they're fourth in the medal table, which isn't bad. You know, when you consider how many medals have they got there from London? Well, actually, they've got twenty four golds and eighty one medals overall. Uh, eighty one medals is a lot. Eighty one medals is a lot, actually. Um, Great Britain, twenty nine goals and sixty five overall. So they finish higher in the medal table than Russia. Yeah, gold medals. Count. They go by gold medals. Yeah. Yeah. If ninety nine percent of Russian athletes are doping, yeah. Let's just say which they aren't, according to the federation. The United States, China, and Great Britain, uh, the three countries that finished ahead of them in the in the medals table. Double congratulations <laughs> to those guys, because that that team in fourth. Yeah. It was operating with a lot of extra assistance, it seems. Uh, that's pretty much it from us. Thanks very much for listening to today's show. Uh, have a listen to the other program we put out today. US Murph is in great form, and we had a chat with Andy Lee ahead of his world title fight in, um, not, not this weekend, but the following weekend. following yeah. weekend in Vegas. Yeah. He's on in Vegas, yeah. Matt Carboff is the name of the, the guy that he's fighting there. We're pretty much uh, pretty much out of here, though. Ken is off to... Thanks, guys, first of all. Thank you, Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you Ken. Bon voyage. Thanks again for listening. Ken is Thanks. off to LA, and if all goes well... He could be partying with the king a little like this. I begin. I accept your challenge. I call out Ricky Roy and Steve Nash. Here we go. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.